Aaron still has three testicles. We're okay. One for each of you. <laughs> <laughs> This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Guys, 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 two months, two months, I'm telling you, till ManCon 2016. What? Super excited. Super excited. Guys are posting their games. Guys are getting registered. We're getting excited. Oh, wait. <laughs> Do we want to tell our listeners what ManCon is so that we're not just like inside baseballing them? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we really want to talk about a convention that they're not invited to. <laughs> See that—that that is how exclusive we are. <laughs> so, uh, Mancon 2016, uh, you know, is the follow-up to Mancon 2015, which was our effort to still get together, even though most of us couldn't go to the very last Fear the Con, uh, which was in a uh, convention in uh, St. Louis held every year. Uh, for seven, eight years, and uh, that we always kind of got together at and kind of had our own little mini gathering within Fear the Con. But uh, the scheduling last year didn't work out, so we did our own thing there in uh, on the, the shores of Table Rock Lake. Uh, we rented a couple of, of cabins and, and just gamed for, for uh, two straight days. It was amazing time, and we're doing it again this year. And so there will be uh, 12 or so of us. Uh, heading out there and, and doing the same thing this year. So I am super excited. And you'll get to hear uh, many of the games on ideologyofmadness.com. We released uh, last year's zombie game, a uh, couple of other actual plays. You know, it, it dawns on me that we didn't release our Monster Hearts game. Uh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where uh, you know... The GM was terrible. That's what it was. <laughs> well, no, I you know, I think that there was, there was a lot of, you know, good, solid seducing happening there at the table. <laughs> I, I don't know that I would call it good or solid. <laughs> or seducing. See, I'm still not convinced that the convention is actually real since I didn't go last year. I, I think it's the long con. You guys got, all got together and did gaming just to add some legitimacy. I'm going to show up this time and you're all going to be there with like socks full of quarters ready to beat me in. Well, the, the, the goal is to give you the wrong address so you'll be on the other side of the lake. And we'll just we wave just, at you. We just call that wing night. <laughs> and then they're not quarters in the sock. That would be cruel. Nickels. It's a bar of soap. Oh. <laughs> See, I thought you wanted nickels because there's not any edges. It'll be a little smoother. Well, and Andrew recommends, you know, a sack of oranges because, you know, it doesn't it, – it bruises you up really bad. But if you do it wrong, you never shit right again. But, you know. <laughs> And you got vitamin C in the morning. Yeah, that's right. And you know, you know how Andrew loves his oranges. That's right. That's right. He's all about the orange. <laughs> so you know, I don't. I don't want to turn this into 
political cast. Oh, uh, but I do go. have a, I, I do have an observation. You know, uh, this coming Tuesday is Super Tuesday. Texas uh, votes in, in the primary uh, at that time, and so. We generally, for national elections, don't get a lot of ads because Texas is a red state. You know, Democrats don't have a, a snowball's chance here in Texas of, of winning uh, our electoral votes. But we do have, you know, primary uh, delegates to, to win. So we're seeing the, the Democratic ads. And <clears throat> I'm not making a comment <laughs> about the candidate, but I was highly amused. I saw an ad this morning for uh, Hillary Clinton in which Morgan Freeman narrates it. And all I can think of like the entire time I'm watching it is, Hillary Clinton crawled through a river of shit and came out clean on the other side. And I was like, hmm, it's Shawshank. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just an observation. Just an observation. Well, uh, you know, I um, here in Virginia Beach, we've had uh, Republican uh, nominees coming to town. So, And they happen to be coming right across the street from where i work so it's been a bit of a traffic clusterfuck this weekend or this week with uh trump and i think uh ted cruz was there yesterday and i've got carson on monday so damn all of you for that traffic (laughs) i can't go out for lunch because of you (laughs) during the what 2008 campaign uh uh man is that right i'm trying to remember but i was in new mexico and you had uh john mccain in the morning and you had uh, uh, Obama in the afternoon, and you just you couldn't get anywhere in Albuquerque that day because you had these you know big motorcades coming through and security everywhere. And I'm just like, well, let's just all shut down and not do any work today. <laughs> it's only the president. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Pain in the ass, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> only Aaron would bitch about a day off. That wasn't a day off. <laughs> well, I was. Why was I in New Mexico? I was in New Mexico to work. <laughs> It's the only reason to be in the ABQ. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So let's talk about something else controversial. Uh Uh-oh. Controversy. This is the controversy cast. Bum, bum, bum. We need some kind of CNN, you know, big drum music. (laughs) We're we're talking about fracking now. This is the best. Breaking news. Breaking news. Game of Thrones actor Finn Jones has been cast to play Iron Fist. Finn Jones, Jones is known as Sarah Loris Tyrrell on the uh, HBO oh, Terrell. hit. Terrell. Terrell, yeah. Yeah. Um, will be uh, playing the role of Iron Fist on the uh, upcoming uh, Iron Fist uh, TV series from Netflix. And there's been a so, decent amount of controversy about this. Is Why? he the blonde guy that sleeps with his sister? No. Okay. So his name is Finn? Finn. Okay, what parent names their kid Finn? What if he likes donuts when he's 15, you know? No, Finn. Finn with an F. <laughs> oh, Finn. Yeah. Oh, all right. Wait, Finn. okay. Okay, not much better a naming choice, but better. <laughs> so, um, why is there a controversy, Paul? Because they didn't cast an Asian-American in the role. And all I can but think Dan- of is Wait, Danny what? Rand isn't. Asian yeah, American. Dan- Danny Rand isn't Asian American. Yeah, there, so I mean, even Marguerite Bennett, writer Marguerite Bennett, who writes for Marvel, spoke out about it, saying this was an opportunity for Marvel to cast, um, you know, a, a, a diverse, you know, to go diverse in their uh, casting choices. And I think that, quite honestly, casting an Asian American in a martial arts role kind of seems yeah. more racist to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but. 
Um, you know, Danny Rant has always been, you know, this, uh, this, you know, like practically Aryan guy who got lost in the mountains and was trained. Yeah, it's a it's a whole you know West meets East thing. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I mean, if you're going to completely change the character, yeah, but why aren't you shooting Master of Kung Fu then? You know, do Shang Chi. Yeah. Don't do Iron Fist. You know, different story. But I mean, the whole point of of Iron Fist, and I, yeah, I suppose you could have a an Asian guy finding his roots, right? You know, some um, you know American Asian fella who you know second third generation. Uh, you know, goes back to the East and, and figures all this stuff out. But, you know, the whole point was, you know, West meets East. Uh, and what's more Western than a white guy? <laughs> I mean, why didn't we just cast an American Indian in it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't I am unfamiliar with the guy. You know, when they were talking, there were rumors for a while that Ryan Felipe would, was going to be in the role. And I was actually all for that. But I guess he's too old at this point because, I mean, this guy is significantly younger. Right. Ryan Felipe, get out of here! And, uh, and Danny Rand should be young. I mean, you know, he should be like Stephen Amell. You know, he yeah, should be a young guy. But I, I mean, I, the guy certainly looks the part. You know, I look at him, I don't instantly go, that guy doesn't look like Danny Rand at all. Right. Um, you know, I Danny get Rand. so frustrated with some of this political correctness and trying to shoehorn in the diversity. <laughs> like I'm not. Wayne is trying here. He's trying to piss me <laughs> off. I mean, here's the thing. This was never an Asian character. Why the hell is there any controversy over casting someone who's not an Asian character for it? I mean, we would be bitching. And you notice how we are in the background? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this isn't the case of whitewashing because the character was not Asian to begin with. Right. I mean, that's the part that really bothers me about it. It was the same thing when people were throwing a fit about Spider-Man. Let's cast a black Spider-Man. I don't know that I would have any kind of problem if they did, but you shouldn't criticize for making the character look like he looks on the page. I mean, it just it bothers me. It's the it's too much over political correctness. And keep in mind, I understand that we're four. Well, three white guys and a Puerto Rican on a podcast. But hey, hey, Tim is proud of his Puerto Rican heritage. <laughs> um, you know, but at the same time, for me, I uh, I, I think Danny Rand they, they cast Danny Rand. Um, you know, they they and I think that 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 they were a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. I think that we would be having a very different conversation right now if they had cast you know uh, an Asian person in that role. Um, but you know, they cast a black guy to play Luke Cage. And I think we all agree he's a fantastic actor and plays the role well. And damn, if that just wasn't a stellar performance. And we're all excited for the Luke Cage show, right? What if they had decided to cast an Asian guy in that role? What if they decided to cast a white guy in that role? Very different conversation. Um, so I, I don't – this seems like people trying to pick a fight for no good reason. I, I can't say anything about this topic without flying off the handle. So I want to know to Aaron that I behaved myself. <laughs> we'll, we'll mark that in your review. Thank you. <laughs> we just need to know, Tim. Are you are you in agreement with us? And you'd be flying off the handle in the same direction that we would be, or are you? Would you fly off the handle at us? I. That's all we need to know. I think either choice could have been defensible, but you're right. I don't think that there's a 
there's a a lot of leg to stand on when you cast somebody that looks like the person that you're making the movie on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, you know, James Bond has always been a white guy. And I don't have a problem with, you know, after, you know, nine different white guys playing James Bond, them going, you know what, maybe Idris Elba would be a good James Bond, right? But I don't think that's the decision you make straight out of the straight out of the box. I agree. Yeah. And and so like in this, this is our first first live action media interpretation of Iron Fist. I think you're going to cast true to the character, you know, to the classic character. And then maybe you do something else down the line. Or if you want to tell that story, do a damn Shang-Chi show. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I would deeply love a Shang-Chi show. And if they don't have Shang-Chi show up in Iron Fist, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. And Misty Knight. And uh, I mean, so many, so many things that I hope come from this Iron Fist show. But uh, so, you know, I I, I think it's uh, I, I can't speak to the choice of the actor, particularly. We're really more speaking on the controversy here because I'm just not familiar with him. But regardless, out of the four Netflix series, the one I have been looking forward to the most has been Iron Fist because Iron Fist out of the four characters has been my favorite character. Um, I love Iron Fist. So I, I am very, very excited, and I hope they uh, – I think they hired a showrunner. I don't recall who it was, um, but I think it was a good choice, and I'm 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 hopeful they don't screw it up, but they've got a good track record so far. Did you guys see oh, yeah. the commercial for uh, Daredevil Season 2? I would say, for me, I'm kind of torn around what I'm looking forward to most, Daredevil Season 2 or Luke Cage. Because I'm not a huge Luke Cage fan in the comics, but – that guy really nailed the role on uh, Jessica Jones, and I enjoyed him in there a lot. So I'm looking forward to Luke Cage. I was really looking forward to Daredevil, and I still am, especially with Punisher being such a huge role. And then I realized who the actor is that's playing Punisher, and that kind of... They no, I, I, I like I'm actually a fan of his. What? What? Uh, what about? I hated him in Walking Dead. I did not. I didn't think he was a good actor at all. Shane? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I like Shane. I like Shane. I'm not, but I like him. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't think I've had an objection to any of the casting choices Marvel has made. No. You know, I, I think, you know, when I think Ooh, about the movies. I do. Oh, God, here we go. Hit us, Tim. Uh, their Doctor Strange can suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and there went our listenership. I'm. Well, I don't care. Some of the bitches are mad at you right now, Tim. I, I don't. I don't care. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many uh, copies it would sell if he did suck a dick? I just. I'm not. No. It would be the highest selling port of all time. Let's put it this way. Let me back up to Aaron's. To Aaron's major point, they've done a really good job casting people. There we go. Don't say we've had no objection, Aaron. You're painting with too I, I didn't say of- we. I didn't say we. I said I. Did I you? wasn't speaking All for right. Tim. <laughs> I would never deign to speak for you, Tim. I would. Ever. Tim hates okay, everything. Maybe a little. <laughs> Shut up, Paul. <laughs> so, so I got to tell you, something else happened this week that, that I was pretty excited about. Also controversial. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, after the success of a rated R superhero movie, uh, you know, uh-huh. Deadpool did super well at the box office. Um the nice folks at Warner's have decided to release, at least on Blu-ray, a rated R cut of uh, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. That well, news so, pissed me off so much. Well, hold on, really? hold on, hold on. I, I take a little umbrage with the fact that a lot of people are claiming this is as a result of Daredevil or Deadpool. Wait, so you're taking what? umbrage with me. You're taking I'm umbrage taking umbrage with umbrage. you because, with one, this has already been done by Warner Brothers. 
Is this about to turn into to Aaron versus Polly? <laughs> Dawn. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Dawn of Funny Books. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so th- th- for for them to have already had a rating on it, the film would have had to have been cut and submitted to the MPAA before Deadpool came out. And they've already done this with the Hobbit film. I don't think this is as a, a response to the Deadpool movie. I think this was already in the works. They had an, an extended cut, and it just happened to end up being rated R. Um, by the MPAA, but I don't think it was a reaction to Deadpool. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, the timing of it just doesn't seem to work out that way. I think you're wrong, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. So I hadn't heard about it. There's a rated R version of The Hobbit, too? Yeah, uh, the, uh, Blu-ray. So, you know, the extended versions oh, of The, God, of the that Hobbit. that pisses me off, too. <laughs> Why? Okay, here's the thing. For The Hobbit, it's because The Hobbit was based on a children's book. There should never be a rated R version of a children's book. In this case, it's Superman. There should never be a rated R Superman. Superman is a character about hope. Superman is a family character. Superman is a character that kids can look up to. There should never be a Superman movie that is rated R. That is just wrong on all accounts. And that further makes me think that I'm probably not going to like the original movie that will be a PG-13, that they're going to do an extended cut that makes it R on. I can accept a rated R Batman movie if it's something like Killing Joke. That makes sense. And there are a lot of Batman stories that would fall into the the range where I could see a Batman pushing into rated R. Darker character. Superman should not be rated R. And if they've made a Superman versus Batman movie that falls into rated R, they really don't understand the character. And they are and there is no way that this is going to be a Superman movie that i can appreciate okay it one, pisses one me six. off so much to know that there's a rated r superman movie out there even if it's just the blu-ray edition it I is think, wrong-headed in every way i think that in 310 episodes of funny books with aaron and polly uh i have never heard wayne so angry I love Wayne's angry voice. I love it. Yeah. I've been laughing. I, mean, I, 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 was, I like, was livid when I'm I just, read wow. this. Wow. So, Tim, you, you oh, am I allowed? To, am I allowed? To, okay. Yeah. Tim, um, get him. <laughs> have you not seen any of the commercials showing Superman as clearly the villain in this movie? Like seriously, you're not gonna like this movie, Wade. You already know that. So what's the difference if he says the f word? <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen. You can give a fuck. You just can't give two. (laughs) I'm actually rather excited about an R-rated cut. Now, here's the thing is that I I wonder if it's going to be a meaningful change, you know, or if it's just going to be – I assume that what it will be is more gratuitous violence, and I assume that it's, you know, a lot more wanton destruction, um, you know, given what we saw in Man of Steel. I have to say, I, you know, I enjoy a uh, a more mature Batman, and I can see – I think that an, an interesting story would be Superman uh, reacting to that sort of setting. But here's the deal. Movie Superman is not comic book Superman. Uh, Man of Steel Superman is not the hero we know and love. He's a very different guy. Um, and I'm just curious to see how it's going to be. I like Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. Um, I'm, I enjoyed uh, Watchmen. Uh, I have enjoyed some of his other films. I'm, I am seriously deeply looking forward to Dawn of Justice, and I'm excited to hear that there will be a rated R cut to it. 
And my only thing is, is that you know, while it's coming, you know, they they promise it out on Blu-ray. I'd actually like to see that in the theater. I'd like to see that on the screen. I find it likely, given Warner Brothers' track record, that they'll release it when it comes out on Blu-ray. You know, right before it comes out on Blu-ray, they'll release it theatrically. You know, one of those Fathom events type thing. Yeah, but you know, you've got to you, you can't you can't go see Dawn of Justice thinking that he's our you know pre-New Fifty Two Superman because he's just not. He is something else. He's something different. He is a, a different interpretation of the character. I'm hoping that at some point they they model that character to get to that point. But at this at this time, he is not that guy. It saddens me the, that I'm going back after hearing this news and thinking again. Maybe I don't see this one in theaters. Maybe, maybe because if you're if you're going in wanting you know the the uh, shorts on the outside of his pants, Superman, you're not going to get that. If you're going there wanting you know emotional justice. center. Uh, you know, a Kansas farm boy, Clark Kent putting on a cape. It, this is not that guy. You know, the, the, I think the, the key difference between the guy that you and I know and love, Wayne, and the guy that we're seeing in The Man of Steel is that Superman's the identity and Clark is the costume. He is more like Batman than he is like Clark Kent. Yeah, it just really saddens me that there will be a Superman property that's an R rating. Well, just, well, okay. It goes to be fair, the nature of Superman. Now, to be fair, right? I mean, Superman has had mature readers' titles, and some of them have been amongst the most memorable Superman titles uh, ever produced. Same with Batman. And Batman has had R-rated animated movies that have done well. Um, yeah. You know, uh, no, absolutely. So you know that that Dark Knight Returns, which is basically the same damn thing that we're talking about here, just the animated version of it. Um, you know, was R-rated, and it was excellent. I, I, I think the R-rated cut, I do think we're looking at just more violence, probably, like Aaron said, you know, some wanton destruction. I don't think we're going to see Superman walk around saying, fuck you, citizen. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think we're going to see well, that, but I do think I'm we'll hope- see more violence, and that's whatever. You know, I mean, it, 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 PG-13 films are, are pretty much R-rated nowadays anyway, except they don't say fuck a lot and they don't show boobs. So Doesn't it kind of put you in the mind, though? You know, when I heard the R rating and I was thinking about Ben Affleck being, you know, Batman in this film, uh, didn't it kind of put you in the mind of, of kind of a Chasing Amy scene where he and Wonder Woman and, and Superman are sitting in a room and uh, Batman just is suggesting that perhaps the way they heal the rift between the three of them is a three-way? Only if Superman could be played by Jason Lee in the next film. <laughs> I think Jason Lee is Ryan Felipe out of the part, Paul. <laughs> so uh, before we, uh, we we move on to the next thing, I got to ask, did any of you guys watch Arrow this week? Not as of yet, no. No, I'm a little behind. Okay. So I'm not spoiling anything by saying that Vixen makes an appearance in this episode of Arrow. Yeah, because I think we all knew she was going to be on the season. I had no idea that there is a Vixen animated series. Oh, yes. you didn't? I haven't seen I it. I had no idea. They consider it in continuity with they do. the Arrowverse. And, there's, and there is a reference in the episode where uh, uh, Oliver says, oh, this is my friend Vixen. We met last year. It was kind of an animated event. <laughs> and and I'm just like, I feel like that's a reference to something. And then later on in the episode, they advertise the series. And I'm like, where is this? Is it on TV? Is it a web series? What is that? So CW has um, an app. You know, they have the CW TV app. And they have, yeah. I think, also the CW Edge or something something like that. I don't know. It's an online component. 
Oh, oh, CWC. That's what it is. And so they had these, I think they're six episodes, and I believe they're only like five minutes each or maybe an, ten minutes each. Um, and and, that, and that's it. That's it. But they do have the, but Stephen Amell, um, Cisco, whoever plays Cisco uh, on The Flash, and uh, Grant Gustin all, you know, reply, reprise their roles in the animated series. You know, they supplied the voices. So. Well, I, I'm I'm fascinated by this, and I've got to I, I need to see it because the the animation clip they showed looked really strong. So yeah, anywho, I I, I I wanted to see them, but I don't know. Like I just never got around to it, and it's Vixen, so like I never really. <laughs> yeah, I like Vixen. I've always liked her. Really, I've never been a huge yeah. fan. I like her I in Justice League. Justice League Task Force. Yeah. I uh, always liked her in Justice League Task Force. And, like I said, I mean, you know, uh, she's not somebody I'd gotten by her book, but I've always liked her as a supporting character. Hmm. And she was badass in this episode of Arrow. Yeah, and I liked her in Justice League Unlimited in, in the cartoon as well. Oh, yeah. Well, since we're, you know, we were talking about Batman versus Superman, let's kind of stick on the same subject. We have a very DC-centric, in fact, we have a very Superman-centric episode of Funny Books this week. So if you're, I mean, if you're going to be tired of hearing us talking about Superman, tough shit, because it's probably going to be for the next two months until the movie comes out. <laughs> um, Dark Knight Three: The Master Race Number Three came out finally, um, you know, bringing Superman into the storyline. Uh, and you know, Aaron, you and I read this this week, and so did Dwayne. So I want to hear you, your thoughts on it. I asked you earlier this week, and you said you had some some particular thoughts on this issue. Yeah, you know. Uh... It feel like the it felt like the book switched gears pretty hard. Um, it did not feel like the same book that we've been reading in the earlier two two issues. There were things I liked about the book. Um, there's certainly I mean some of the art is just fantastic with uh, you know Bruce and Carrie Kelly trudging through the snows, uh, getting up to Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Uh, but it it felt so out of touch. You know, such a, a profound you know shifting of the gears from the previous two issues, and I think that that it does not benefit from the reduced page count. And I keep thinking about the original Dark Knight books, and there were those four issues, and they were like, God, they were like sixty pages long. I mean, they were super long books, right? Um, I felt like issues one and two was really one issue in the way that story breaks, and maybe. This wouldn't have felt so, you know, disconnected from what we earlier read if they had told the story that way. And you'd gotten more in this issue. Well, I feel, you know, we we talked a little bit about this in the first issue that we said, you know, we noticed it was shorter. It's a longer series, but it's shorter issues. And we thought, well, maybe that's the point. You know, I mean, if you combined it, it'd still be a four issue or a six issue series. Right. And so maybe that's what we're looking at here is, um, you know, just the, the reduced page count. Is basically two issues cut in half so that they can get the issues out more timely. Yeah. So there were a couple things I want to highlight that I really did enjoy in this anyway. Because I completely agree with you, Aaron. It, it just didn't feel quite the same. And it wasn't nearly as good as the previous issues. But I loved Bruce's inner monologue in the beginning mm-hmm. as he's talking about uh, Carrie Kelly and how she could potentially be better than him. But his inner monologue about how he's lost his step and he doesn't want her to realize that he's a liability now. Yeah. I thought that inner monologue was really good. You know, and I would have been okay with that, except in the next damn scene, they're trudging through, you know, the Arctic. Right. I had you know, that same thought, Paul. It's like, you're kind of going against that whole inner monologue that was so good just a couple pages before. 
Yeah, you're you're barely walking with a cane, and all of a sudden you're trudging through you know knee deep snow in the Arctic and bashing Superman, you know breaking Superman out of the ice with a you know mallet. Yeah, but you know there are images in this book that are so memorable, much like you know the original uh, Dark Knight series. Uh, there is the video image of Batman, you know, telling uh, uh, you know the Kryptonians to go to hell. Yeah, you know, and I mean that is a beautiful full page. It's beautiful, and I love how very much he is depicted in a very traditional Bob Kane, Bill Finger kind of look. I love right? the Superman standing up and shattering the ice. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really good art on that page, too. And I don't know yeah, if it was a coloring thing or um, – because when he first breaks out of the ice, he's got black and red, and later on in the book he has yellow and red, and I don't know if that was just – you know he put on a different suit. Uh-huh. Um, but – I, uh, I I did that. The scene where he breaks out of the ice, I thought was fantastic. I mean, there were a lot of good moments in this book. I, I agree with you that there was a tonal shift that kind of caught me off guard. And and had I um, had I not had two issues with one tone, like had it been one issue and then this issue with a different tone, because that's how the first book was. I mean, it was essentially four different stories. Right. Um, you know, I would have been a little bit more prepared for it because it did kind of like, OK, what's this is moving at a much quicker pace than than the previous two issues. Can I say that I hated the Green Lantern story at the end of the book? Did you really? I really did. I didn't mind what happened. I hated the actual story. It just seemed so protracted for what happens. I mean, uh, it almost could have been one of those one pagers that Max Landis does at the back of uh, American Alien. Yeah, I kept thinking <laughs> you know? as I was going through it, it was like, why didn't they just cut this and give us more of the main book? Because they're, they're buying uh, the uh, Kubert more time. I think that's the whole reason that you got the backup is they're giving you a book as big as the original Dark Knight series, but uh, Kubert can't keep up with the artwork. So you 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 give us a, a back issue, and I don't mind it. I've enjoyed the the previous uh, you know backup features, but this one, I mean the the first what one two the first two pages, uh, I hated. I hated them. I mean I didn't even want to read them. The 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 artwork is so uh, irritating to me. Uh, you know you've got these these green you know creatures you know working on a farm, and it all just looks like something you drew on the back of a napkin. You know, I just I, I hated that. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> I didn't mind it as much as you. Um, I didn't find it very um, unlike the first two issues where they they were really additive to the main story. I didn't feel like this was at least not yet. Um, you know, we'll see maybe Green. I mean, Green Lantern. Now he doesn't have his ring. So I don't know exactly what you know, what's coming up next. Um, I guess hopefully this plays into the main story. I, I thought the green uh, characters, you know, where the Green Lantern lives inside his own little green world. Um, you know, he's like a naked green guy. I, that was introduced in DK2. Not really a fan of that idea, um, but I don't know. I didn't mind it as much as you did. So the variant covers, you know, the main cover is, you know, uh, Batman and, and Carrie Kelly trudging through the snow. And I think it's a gorgeous cover and it's, you know, a scene that happens in the book. You know, it didn't. Uh, t- it, I, it, I had to read the book to realize that that was the key that they were trying to show in the Yeah, film. yeah. The giant's key. Uh-huh. That, you know, Carrie Kelly's like kind of stupid not to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the door to the fortress is just laying wide open. But uh, you've got the, the Scott McDaniel cover, which is just all black and white. And I love that cover. I love Scott McDaniel, and I love the way he draws Batman. Yeah, me too. And that's a, that's a lot of energy and a lot of fun. And then you've got the uh, 
Klaus Janssen cover, which is uh, very Dawn of Justice, you know, uh, Batman versus Superman. Hate it. Yeah. There is just very little energy. It looks, it looks, uh, you know, very amateurish in the way it's blocked. Uh, I just, you know, you've got Superman facing, you know, directly left, but his uh, heat vision is tracking behind him. Yeah. I mean, it just bugs the shit out it's of him. It's amateur hour, and Janssen's better it, than that. Yeah, he is, and I mean, it's just a horrible cover. And then you've got the Romita cover, which again is kind of a Dawn of Justice uh, uh, send up, and hate it as well. Because you really don't get a good look at either Batman or Superman. And it seems to me like you ought to have, you know, on the cover of his own book, you ought to have a pretty good shot of Batman. Yeah. Right? I don't disagree. Um, and then you've got a lovely, uh, I love this Frank Miller cover of Wonder Woman. I do you too, know, and I didn't think you know the first time I saw it, I was like, eh. But you know, the more I look at it, the more I like it. It's it's you know hyper stylized, but I I dig it. There's a lot of energy to it. I, I love I love her you know samurai sword. I love her battle axe. I love that she fights in jog pants now, right? <laughs> um, the thing that I find amusing about it, she's nowhere in the book, and I guess that's the whole point of a variant cover. Yeah. But you know she is she is nowhere in this issue. And uh, but I mean I like that one. I absolutely hate the Jim Lee cover. I do too. Uh, you know I, I it, it is a a current day look at Batman and you know he's got a machine gun and I just that that doesn't sit well with me. I don't mind I don't mind old Batman with a machine gun because he's got to use the tools that are available to him. But uh, you know young Batman shouldn't be shouldn't be holding a machine I gun. I think this is supposed to be a scene from DK one, but I can't remember what scene he had a machine gun in. I remember when he had the sniper rifle. Even but so, his costume didn't look like that. It, he was obviously older in DK one. Yeah, just not so. a, not not successful. Correct. So you know, I really enjoyed the previous variant covers, but uh, you know, of these variants, there's only one of them here that I like. Not yeah. two of them: Scott McDaniel and the Frank Miller. But I am thankful, and I do want to thank DC for including the variant covers absolutely with the digital copy. Yeah, because I, I I like to look at the art. Same here. And, you know, there's no reason why you can't include the variant covers in your digital pur- purchases. I agree. You know, the only reason you don't do it is because you're a douche. Marvel Comics. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. So, you know, Dark Knight 3, number 3, uh, I do not think is a winner. I, there are things I liked about the book, but, uh, you know, it was such a, a jump from where we were. And maybe, you know, the, the, the next part of the story gets me there. Um, I think there was some a lot of success visually in the book, but the tone of the story really bothered me. Well, I uh, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't dislike it as much as you, but uh, I didn't uh, you know it, it wasn't my favorite issue, but um, I, I, I didn't hate it, and uh, I look forward to the next issue. Yeah, I kind of so, follow with Paul on that one. If it wasn't the greatest, but the Superman moments were enough for me that uh, I'm still excited about the next issue. So, uh, in the ongoing Dark Side War, uh, we have Justice League number 48, which came out this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we jump into that, let's talk about the teaser cover for Legends of Tomorrow, featuring Firestorm, the Metal Men, Metamorpho, and Sugar and Spike. So, I, I saw that's really, you know, we don't know a whole lot. We know that uh, this is going to be kind of an anthology book. It's going to have a it's a new monthly series featuring four powerhouse tales in each eighty page comic. Um, so you've got Firestorm uh, by Jerry Conway and Eduardo Pansica, 
uh, Metal Men by Lynn Ween, and uh, I'm not going to even try and pronounce that guy's name. Metamorpho by Aaron Lepresti, and Sugar and Spike by Keith Gibbon, and uh, also not going to try and pronounce that name. So I have to say, of these stories, the one that I'm super excited about is Metal Men by Lynn Ween. I gotta say, I have zero interest in this book. Really? I'm with Paul. Yeah, I'm with Paul. I, I'm I'm looking forward to, to the Metalman book. I, uh, I I have enjoyed the recent Metalman stories that we've seen. Uh, I had no idea what the hell a sugar and spike is though. So I, I looked it up. Imagining. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked it up, and this is a comic that was published in '56 through '71, and it was it looks like a the type of uh, comic you would see in a sun, Saturday morning or Sunday morning newspaper. Because it wasn't a superhero book in the original version. So it's like Ziggy? Uh, kind of, except with kids. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so well, I, I don't know, know what they're doing with it for this reimagining, but uh, the original is just two kids that are friends that looks like it should be in the funnies and not in a... Uh, well, I really like Keith Giffen, so we'll see. But I, you know, I gotta say, I'm interested in the in the uh, in the metal in the metal men story. So, Aaron, if you take Little Justice League and mix it with Family Circus, that's basically what I just heard Wayne say. <laughs> Not me. Yeah, that actually is a good way to put it. Except it was oh, more God. just Family Circus. It looks like originally. Who did it? I don't know. All the footprints. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, so. I, here, I'm going to make a prediction about Justice League number 48. Paul loved it. Uh, so prove me wrong, Paul. <laughs> I didn't love it. Um, I, I did like You're it. just saying that to spite me. No, I'm not. I, I did think that I, I have loved this storyline. I, I thought there was some great, uh, much like DK, uh, DK3, issue 3, there were some fantastic moments. Um, I thought there were some overall story components that didn't work for me. Uh, one of which is the these shadow men that kind of popped up out of nowhere. Um, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, just out of Jeff John's ass is where those guys came from. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the hell. I mean, it just randomly popped up. Um, but other than that, I, I, I enjoyed the issue. Uh, I, I, another problem I had with the issue was the death of Ultraman. Um, what was your problem with it? The way it was told was not very uh, – it, it just kind of – the way it was told lessened the impact. I felt. Uh, I mean, he, he's a big character, and his his death seemed just you know a, with a, a page with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven panels. Um, you know that seems like a full page thing that should happen. And it, there was no moment to stop and take a breath before uh, you know Dark Side Lex showed up. You know the the scene where Ultraman's you know wailing on the guy and. He seems to be given pretty good. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it goes from from Ultraman, you know, really just taking this guy to town. The next thing you know, Ultraman's on his back. And it's like all of a sudden he can't do anything. That's where I, where I had a problem with it. I mean, I needed to see – I needed to be more convinced that he had been overpowered. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I felt what they were going for in that scene, that it was going to be horrible watching uh, someone as powerful as Superman just being murdered in front of everybody. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think that the, that the note they were trying to achieve was not nearly so successful. And I got to tell you, I think it should have been more graphic. 
I, I agree. Particular, particularly because it's Ultraman and he's a despicable uh, person. Um, it would have been nice to see, you know, something a lot more graphic. And, you know, they have done more graphic things on the page. I mean, I, I hearken back to um, the pages of 52 where Black Adam tears a, tears a bad guy in half. You know, I, I, I would have – not that I, I need the, you know, the graphic, you know, blood and guts, but I think that it, it would have been a lot more – Interesting than just seeing him consumed in white light. If you could, yeah, if you could juxtapose that with the hole in Darkseid's chest, you could have put a hole in Ultraman and been like, yeah. bam. Yeah, and then you know, show the guy just dancing around in his guts. You know, I mean, well, I, <laughs> uh, I there were, I, I, I felt like. You know, as much as I love you know Faybox artwork, um, I felt like a lot of it wasn't effective in this book. And I also got to say, God damn, this thing is dragging on forever. It's only two more issues. Yeah, hurry. <laughs> it feels uh, like two I, years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been going on forever. Well, and I say two more issues, but did you notice at the end, um, it said to be continued in Dark Side War number one? Like, what is that? <laughs> Why is it not Justice League number 49? You're right. Because um, uh, I, I don't know what Dark Side War number one is. It's, it's the next book you're buying, Paul. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. I, I, I did enjoy the issue. And, I, I did and feel, my, okay. my guess is it's five ninety nine. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> I have enjoyed the book. Um, I do feel like the storyline is, you know, probably could have ended at eight instead of going to ten. You know, cutting two more issues off probably would have trimmed some of the fat. Um, I do think this has something to do, to do with rebirth. I, you're probably right. So speaking of rebirth and prices, that was one thing we didn't mention when we talked rebirth, is that they announced that all of their titles are going back to two ninety nine, which is which is awesome. But I feel like the other shoe hasn't dropped yet on that announcement. Well, I, I think that's a smart move to make when you're when you're tossing out some new stuff. Make it affordable. Make it make it approachable. Get your folks in there. I guarantee they're going to probably announce the comics are eighteen pages now. I feel it. I just feel it coming like. You know, something's got to give. They can't just say, "Hey, yeah, we're going to drop the, we're going to drop a." Even though we've been moving towards four ninety nine on some of our bigger titles, we're just going to go and drop everything down to two ninety nine just to get you to buy it. I don't know. Like, it seems a little shifty to me. I am fatigued, Paul. I am fatigued. So, uh, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Well, I am going to suggest that you read the newest shitty story from Neil Adams, The Coming Holy of the Superman. <laughs> Holy shit, this book sucked. <laughs> I had I, no idea that this was going to be out of continuity. I thought this was, go- was going to tie into Rebirth until I read it. And it oh, it was now the uh, there are some some pages and panels that are beautiful to look at you know uh usually the step the pages with calabac on them but uh holy crap this book was a steaming piece of shit i mean the first of all neil adams can't write his way out of a paper bag i mean this guy i mean this book is borderline this book is borderline incoherent yeah. <laughs> it's well, so and the, bad in the writing and it's it's so bad that he's got to have lois lane narrating the everything that's going on from the news desk right because you can't visually determine what the hell's going on on the page and i mean I, I, it, neil adams i you know they had a, a comicsology sale on neil adams on his old green arrow and green lantern stuff and his old batman stuff like his original run with Raj Al ghoul that kind of stuff and that stuff is gold about every single issue but his uh batman odyssey book from a couple of years back was terrible 
And just like that, this book is terrible as well. And I mean, I really wish that if you're going to have an artist like Neil Adams, give him a writer. Don't let him write his own stuff because the son of a bitch can't write. So, Aaron, you know what I wish I would have seen? I saw an interview after I'd already bought the book that Uh said specifically he describes this as the spiritual successor to Batman Odyssey. Uh, If I'd have read that, I would have never bought it. It is so terrible. I, 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 it is just so terrible. Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> it is offensively bad. I mean, let's yeah. be, yeah. it is offensively bad. The story is horrible. The characters are horrible. But at least Superman is Superman. I, oh, out of all the things God. I had to complain about, I didn't complain about his voice at all. I mean, he wasn't in the book all that much. Ugh, this book is so bad. But that's the only thing I can give it, because it was just bad. I, the, the thing that I'll give it is, I mean, every page with Calabac on it is just gorgeous and Cor- uh, Kirby-esque style. Same thing with the Parademons. But every time a character speaks, they don't have the right voice. You know, uh, Lois Lane is so animated in her uh, uh, in her dialogue and the way she's looking around at the monitors and, oh, my God, what's happening there? That's not Lois Lane. I mean, they got Lois Lane behind the news desk like she's, you know, uh, uh, David Muir on ABC. She she is somebody who'd be out there covering it. She's not the person who's going to sit behind the desk. You've got uh, Lex Luthor yelling at the TV, you yeah. know, uh, and, and you, know, you know, accusing everyone. And I'm just like, you know, there's no nuance. There's no subtlety. Everything is just turned to 11. Yeah, Lex is a master manipulator. That wasn't yeah. Lex on there. No. And no. that doesn't even get into – and. I think it's safe that we can go into a, a spoiler here for the ending because all over the internet did. They reveal that Darkseid's father was in Egypt and the Sphinx was built to look like him. Yeah. Uh, Where the hell did that come from? Yeah, no, the whole thing's just terrible. You know, this is one of those things where I feel like you and Paul should bring your, your copies to Mancon and put them in the burning barrel. But then I remembered <laughs> that that's not a thing anymore, so you guys are going to have to sacrifice your tablets. Yeah, Paul and I are just going to burn our iPads. <laughs> you know what's funny to me? You know, you, Wayne was like, you know, at the end it was revealed that Darkseid's father, and I'm like, I don't remember that at all. And then I realized, holy shit, this book was so bad, I didn't even finish it. <laughs> it just occurred to me, I didn't even finish this damn book. Uh, I, I powered it, through it, Paul. It wasn't easy, but... Oh. It was so terrible. It you know, so terrible. I love it when you guys hate something. It's like god. a multiplier when it's Superman. It's just like, <laughs> oh god. Well, and you, well, know, you know it's bad when all three of us could agree that it was bad because we don't agree on anything. Good point. Here's the, here's the shameful thing: is we don't get a whole lot of out of continuity uh, Superman stories anymore. And here's why. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. there are there are so many wonderful stories you could tell about pre New Fifty Two Superman, and the fact that they wasted it on this is amazing to me because. I, I don't understand why an editor didn't say, so you want to do what, Neil? Uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you know, you want Superman to adopt a child from the Middle East. That sounds like a great idea. Go ahead. Well, and I mean, there is that whole scene where the creature, creature that we'll just call a messenger or a djinn, as he was called by the uh, little Middle Eastern boy, uh, you know, he's like, well, you got to take the kid. 
you know. And Superman would not have problem taking a kid. So Superman in this issue is just like, well, you know, there's all these things to consider. I can't just take him and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, that's not what Superman would do. Superman would take him somewhere safe. He'd take him to a Red Cross camp somewhere, right? But no, he takes him back to Metropolis, puts him in Western clothes, and has him there at the Daily Planet or WGBS with, uh, you know, him and Lois as, you know, he's in his Clark guys. Wait, I mean, wait, it's wait. Just ridiculous. Yes. So he and, turned him into short round? Is that what I He did. Heard? That's exactly <laughs> oh, what he did. The kid almost gives away his identity the first thing he says. Yeah. <sighs> now, the, the book is horrible. The book is horrible. But, you know, continuing with our, with our overwhelming Superman theme this week, uh, Tim and I read Superman Wonder Woman number 26. So, Tim... What'd you think? I can, you know, I, I really don't want to read this book anymore, but Hanky <laughs> draws the hell out of it. Every, every issue. He, he really does. And that's the, you know, Pete Tomasi and uh, Doug Mankey are the whole reason I picked up this book. And I gotta say, this is the first time that this Vandal Savage angle has seemed interesting. Uh-huh. I would agree. And don't you love the way he draws Vandal Savage? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Vandal is just, gorgeously sinister on these pages. Yep. And looks like somebody who's been alive forever. He looks like somebody who, you know, this is the mantle of, of uh, regalness that I have, you know, put around myself because I am the forever man. I am the guy who is the ultimate, you know, human being. And I am so tired of being that. Let's just end everything. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. pretty cool. I gotta admit, yeah. I you know I like the I like the twins that they were fighting. I thought those uh-huh. I thought I could see more of them. That'd be okay. Yeah, you know I, I think that this storyline's not working with the other writers who are working on it. But I think Pete Tomasi's got a really good handle on this story, um, and I found it super entertaining. Yeah, Pete Tomasi's one of my favorite writers writing right now, yeah. and so I think that's the reason I'm still picking up this book, despite the fact that's not what I what it used to be. So, you know, Superman's back to being super, but he's fueled, yeah, he's fueled by, uh, not by, you know, the power of the yellow sun, but some sort of drug that's based on kryptonite, right? Yeah. And so, you know, while he's super, it's killing him at the same time. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that you had, uh, we had the pages in Justice League where we really don't get the emotional weight of Ultraman being murdered there on the battlefield. But there is so much emotional weight on these pages where you see Superman suffering with the the, the sickness that, that's within him that makes him powerful, that's making him strong enough to fight this threat. And the fact that the more he uses those powers, the closer he comes to you know exhausting himself and succumbing to, to, to the illness. Um, and there, there are these pages where, I mean, you just got the veins popping out of his neck, and he's just trying to be the, the hero that, that that he needs to be. These pages are just so stinking strong. Yeah, I know. The part where he's he's holding up and blood's coming out of his nose, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, you've got all this crazy stuff going on with uh, these three forms that have merged together to capture the comet that Vandal Savage, you know, that is the source of Vandal Savage's power and immortality. And all of this stuff is just so broad, you know, in terms of storytelling. But at no point do you need someone like, I don't know, Lois Lane narrating what the <laughs> fuck's going on on the page. You know, Doug- I, I, I feel like it's been interesting, too, because whereas the, the first part of this, this, this series has, was about 
Clark being able to be backseat to Diana as she's like, right. I'm the god, I'm the goddess of war, or I'm sorry, the god of war and all that. Yeah, because apparently we don't use the word goddess. You don't use the goddess. Right, that's not a thing. Yeah. But, like... And uh, actress, we don't use actress either. They're all actors. But now that they're not dating, he has basically told her to take the back scene. Yeah. And that's been interesting. Yeah, and, and, you know, in the rated R version, it's bitch. (laughs) Take the back seat, bitch. Oh, the rated R version. (laughs) Or they just do voiceovers because Deadpool is cool. That's right. <sighs> if it's a Superman Wonder Woman title, I there's no need for a rated R version. Can we just go straight to X? <laughs> TVMA. Uh, I have an issue anyway. with the rated R version, but an X-rated version? You're down for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought this book was great. It really I, was. I, yeah. And, I mean, action from beginning to end, and the action made sense, and the action drove the story forward. And, I mean, i got to tell you, it's – under the hand of Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey, who are just kind of the Wonder Twins, I think, um, they made me care about New 52 Vandal Savage. Can they just put that in the contract that those two guys got to work together from now on, whatever book For, they're in? Forever. Yeah, I'm, forever. I'm good with that. You know, Why are you reading a Flash book, Tim? Well, because Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey are there. That's right. That's the only right. reason. So, so I, I, this was a great book. And so uh, we're saving... Our favorite Superman title for the last of the show today, and it's Superman Lois and Clark number five. And uh, uh, Wayne, tell me about it. So they are continuing the uh, what I found out just this week was a mini series, and I was so disappointed that this is only a mini series because it has continued to be one of my favorite books each month. But we get to see some flashbacks to uh, Clark looking at this world's Batman and talking about how he almost revealed himself to Batman because it's Batman. Right. I thought that was a nice scene. I did too. It it does sort of foreshadow to me that maybe Bruce is figuring this out because, you know, he's got a clue, you know, you know, he's got the, he's got the, the burnt tip of the arrow that, uh, that Superman melted before it could hit him. Um, you know, I, that, that's a, that's a pretty strong clue for somebody like Batman to say, you know, because I mean, he's gonna. He, it seems to me like he's gonna say, "Hey, you know, that that night, you, uh, Clark, you helped me out on the roof," and Clark's gonna say, "I'm not there." Hmm. Somebody who moves as fast as you, someone who's got a heat vision. Hmm. Who could that be? Yeah. So I, I I wonder, you know, as we move closer to the rebirth storyline, if uh, New Fifty Two Batman doesn't have some of this figured out. Yeah, I like the action scenes in the book. But a good portion of this book was conversation. And that's one of the things I'm really loving about the book is I like the interaction between Lois and Clark. And in this case, we start to see that the kid might actually, you know, his superpowers seem to be developing. I, uh, I really enjoyed the dialogue in the book. Um, and like you said, you know, the action scenes I thought worked like, you know, Superman breaking himself out from under the mountain that, uh, that, that, that crumbled across the top of him. But there are two parts of this book that I really objected to, and it's all about the art. Um, on the- I objected to Lois, and I objected to Clark. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you got ha- you got half of it right. Uh, both of the times that, that I had a problem with the art was around Lois's acting. Um, I don't object to the dialogue, and I think the dialogue is spot on, but they've got Lois losing her shit 
when uh, she finds out that there's somebody in the fortress and it, it appears that something terrible has happened to Superman. And the lowest that we know, this is pre-New 52 Lois. This is the lowest that we know and love. This is, uh, you know, super uh, uh, empowered Lois who, 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 you know, yeah, she'll stress about something, but she takes care of it. She, okay, here's my next thing. And she, I mean, she's got her hand in her hair like she's losing her fucking mind. And I get that you that she would feel that internally, but that's not the Lois we know. And that is not my new 52 Lois. And that bugged the hell out of me. And the, the next page is, you know, that, that bugged me, or the other page that bugged me, was where, same thing, she loses her mind over her uh, friend who's been kidnapped by Intergang. As opposed to the Lois that we know going, okay, here's what we got to do. Lois would come at it with a plan. Yeah, right. like the very first thing after he gets back from the fortress, first he, she does start with the, you know, thank heavens you're back. But then immediately, without getting any details about what happened, goes straight into the thing with her friend. Yeah. And in that, the art of that, I don't know, just the expression on her face looks more like she's getting ready to go down on him than it does that she gets that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't pick that pick up that at all, Wayne. <laughs> I, I think you will now next time you see it. It'll be in your head. But she just she just looks so weak. She looks so powerless. And you know, it's the first time in the series where I felt like they haven't captured the character. Yeah, because the big thing about this series for Lois and what I loved about it is that she is on a personal war against Inner Gang. Right. And I really enjoyed that because that is the Lois that I like. The yeah. strong Lois that is, it you know, sure, she's married to Superman, but she's taking this war to them herself. Yeah, you know, the, the great thing about, you know, Lois and Clark is that, yeah, Superman it was rocketed to Earth from the dying planet Krypton and has the strength of a hundred men, right? I mean, he's he, he, he is crazy super-powered. But Lois's superpower is her strength, her strength of character, her strength of will. You know, that is, that is what makes Lois Lois. And I, we didn't get any of that in this book and i found that frustrating and and again i think it's i think it's in the script i think that the writing supported it you know because if you just look at the dialogue on those pages that i cited there's nothing in there that that if you're just reading it that it that suggests that she's losing her mind um it's the way the artist rendered those pages and it's it, you know we're talking about two panels out of the entire book but they were just so disingenuine to the character so paul you've been quiet on this one tell us what you think I mean, I've been quiet on it because, I mean, I thought it was, for me, the issue, um, it was a good issue. The I did have concerns about the art in general. As soon as I opened the book, I mean, first page, I'm like, this isn't Lee Weeks. Right. I mean, instantly, this isn't Lee Weeks. Where's Lee Weeks? Where's my Lee Weeks? Yeah, give me my Lee. Um, that's what, that maybe that's what she was losing her mind about. We need Lee Weeks! We need Lee Weeks back! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, if that's the case, that's fair. <laughs> you know, um... I thought the you know the cover shows this Batman you know shows Batman and Superman uh, or you know Batman in an alley and kind of a you know the Superman symbol on the wall behind him but really I mean the Batman stuff is what three pages of the issue so I was a little disappointed in that it wasn't more of the issue I hope that comes into play at some point in the future I think it will I think that's going to be it may not come into play in the pages of Lois and Clark mm-hmm. but I think it comes into play within Rebirth and can I just say the cover's beautiful. It is, but not the variant a, cover. Yeah. By Neil. No, the variant cover, and you know, we, we didn't mention it, but Neil Adams had a series of variant covers uh, throughout the, this week's books. 
and all of them are terrible. <laughs> I haven't seen a single one that looks worth a damn. Yeah, but the, but, the so I'm completely aware that this ha- this will come up again because Batman has something physical. Right. He has the arrow with the melted tip. They would. I can't believe that Dan Jurgens of all people would give Batman a physical prop, a clue, and not have it come up again. Yeah, but it said a couple years ago, didn't it? Like, yeah, but years. I mean, but you know, it's 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 a you know he doesn't have a whole lot of evidence, but you know I think he's he's putting it together and he'll you know he'll be able to say, huh, I've been tracking this guy for three five years. Yeah, point. and in fairness, how much of that time has Batman spent with no memory or <laughs> was <laughs> or he dead, dead or right exactly? Yeah. So yeah. it takes a little bit longer. Storming apocalypse to get his son's dead body. <laughs> yeah, he's been a busy guy. He's been a busy guy. Well, it's been a rough five years. That that, that cover that we uh, that we love so much is by Lee Weeks. God, it's gorgeous. Just an I awesome love person. it. Give me my it Lee is. Weeks. Yeah, give him. But uh, next week, they're not giving me much of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh-huh. Maybe we actually get caught up on Mercury Heat. Next yeah. Week. Well, the new issue of Mercury Heat comes out. Uh, the new issues of Invincible Iron Man and Darth Vader come out, and that's about it. Um, the, there are a couple things that there are a couple of new titles that I'm interested in. One is the Discipline from Image Comics. It's written by Peter Milligan uh, with art by Leandro Fernandez. What appears to be a simple seduction is revealed as something much darker and more dangerous. This controversial and erotically charged tale of sex, death, and metamorphosis begins with an explosion of carnality and weirdness. With a description like that, it seems like I should read that book. Oh, yeah. Power Rangers number one comes out next week. I'll be reading oh, that God. one. Yeah, but oh, there's God. no carnality and weirdness in Dark in Power Rangers, is there? No, oh, there is going sake. to be weirdness. <laughs> there so won't be the carnality. Special, no. Is the special rated R cut of Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, Wayne, I need to hear the game please. There should not be. <laughs> <laughs> You know that's great stuff. It really is. I love it. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that's it. I, th- I think that we, you know, we we had Red Ragey Wayne this week, and uh, you know that's always something. But you know, hopefully next week we'll find our way back to Red Ragey Tim. We'll see. The path to Red Ragey Tim begins. <laughs> the path. Next. The path begins now. This is the prequel series <laughs> to our major crossover event, Red Ragey Tim. Red Ragey Tim Mankind. Planet Red Ragey Tim. Oh, God. <laughs> there is such an a-hole. <laughs> World War Red Ragey Tim. I like it. And oh, then... Now I know what I need to run at Mankind. Oh, dear. Female Thor. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then, and then, Red Ragey Tims. Yeah. <laughs> Tim is a female Thor. Fall of the Red Ragey Tims. It's all good stuff. This is honest, it just writes itself, Tim. It really does. And this damn podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
I'm not sad. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you have two extra if he's just funneling the one. What? No, they're not extra. They're, 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 they're all assigned. I got a ball for you. I got a ball for you and a ball for you. <laughs> this is the kind of conversation you missed last year, Wayne. <laughs> well, the air was a lot more broken. And so was 